Good morning again. Um, you're going to be privileged today to not hear me. So I know. Um, Jim Platner's coming up. Many of you have heard him and know him. Uh, I want to encourage you to get to know him a little more. Um, do not applause any of his sermons, okay? Um, I'm not even going to respond. But I appreciate you, Jim, and your willingness. And uh, he's coming forward to just to share really something from David's heart yeah. and from your heart. Right. And so um, uh, please listen. Junior Church, you are dismissed, four years old through fourth grade. And um, remember everybody else who is staying here, uh, you can always follow along, not just what's on the slides for your bulletin, but in the Bible app. See you, buddy. <laughs> See, he likes me better. Right, that's great. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. At least someone likes me. All right. Um, so, I but, like you, Don. <laughs> yeah, don't, he doesn't know me yet. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, you bet. Old Clyde, a farmer, had a car accident. And in court, the trucking company's fancy lawyer was questioning Clyde. Didn't you say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Asked the lawyer. Old Clyde responded, well, I'll tell you what happened. I had just loaded my favorite mule, Bessie, into the... I didn't ask for any details, the lawyer interrupted. Just answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? Clyde said, well, I had just gotten Bessie into the trailer, and I was driving down the road, and the lawyer interrupted again and said, Judge, I'm trying to establish the fact that at the scene of the accident... This man told the highway patrolman on the scene that he was just fine. Now, several weeks after the accident, he's trying to sue my client. I believe he is a fraud. Please tell him to simply answer the question. By this time, the judge was fairly interested in Clyde's answer and said to the lawyer, I'd like to hear what he says about his favorite mule, Bessie. Clyde thanked the judge and proceeded. Well, as I was saying, I had just loaded Bessie, my favorite mule, into the trailer, was driving her down the highway when this huge semi-truck and trailer ran the stop sign and smacked my truck right on the side. I was thrown into one ditch, and Bessie was thrown into the other. I was hurting real bad and couldn't move. However, I could hear old Bessie moaning and growing, and I knew she was in terrible shape. By her groans. Shortly after the accident, a highway patrolman came on the scene, Clyde said. He could hear Bessie moaning and groaning, so he went over to her, and after he looked at her, he took out his gun, shot her right between the eyes. Then the patrolman came across the road, gun in hand, looked at me and said, How are you feeling? Now, Judge, what would you say? That'll sneak up on you. Donnie, that's how you deliver a good joke. Okay, that's it. <laughs> your heart. I, my problem is, Donnie, I understand your humor, too. And that scares me a whole lot. So That judge was not omnipresent or omniscient. Therefore, he needed to hear the testimony of a witness to find out what really happened to Bessie and to Clyde. 
Here's some good news for you. Someday we've got a perfect judge that's going to make all court systems function the way they should. Amen? He's going to wrap it all up. And Donnie was really timely at the beginning of worship to remind us as we just watched the events of life, especially this last week. It's cause for concern, is it not? So today we're letting David pursue a godly heart. And what I want him to help you and I is to see life from God's point of view. And we should see it from his point of view because he knows everything and he is everywhere all at once. And that would deserve an amen. Because we're talking about God, aren't we? The first characteristic of God that David leads us to in Psalm 139 is God is omniscient. The omniscience of God, God knows everything. In Psalm 39, the first four verses, here's what David said. Let him speak to your heart and for your heart, okay? O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down, you're familiar with all my ways, and even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Number one, God understands you and me, intimately. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 8 said this, The man who thinks he knows something, I'm going to stop there a minute, <laughs> okay? The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Does that say something about humility and bowing before God? But here, look at this promise. But the man who loves God is known by God. Don't you want to be known by God? Don't you want a relationship that he knows everything about you? Now, some people would be threatened by that. But I don't think we should be. The man who loves God is known by God. And he's not scared to be known by God. We should want to be known and understood by God's assessment of us and not our assessment, our assessment of ourselves. Our goal is not to understand and know more about ourselves from self-discovery. Now, here's the problem with our culture today. Our culture basically says, you need to know yourself. That's always kind of been a philosophical thing from the very beginning. It's a tool of Satan. As long as you know yourself and you decide for yourself what's right and wrong, you're okay. You want, Can I tell you the word I'm getting sick of hearing lately? It's called woke. I've had it with woke. So I came up with a new definition for woke. This won't be on the screen, but if you want to write it down, I think it's pretty cool. W-O-K-E, wanting only God, or wanting only kingdom eyes to see life from God's point of view. To see life from God's point of view. In Luke 16, Jesus said, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men, look at this, is detestable in God's sight. So our goal is to get into the Word of God and understand life from God's point of view. That's the pursuit of David after a godly heart. It's to know God and for God to know us and to see life from His point of view. I know that because, first of all, God knows our hidden strengths and abilities. 
That's why God's able to do some amazing things with unlikely people. Uh, there'll be two of them in the sermon today. The first one is Gideon. Gideon's a farmer who took 300 guys with God's help and defeated the Philistine army of 10,000. Now, I think the Ukrainians would like those odds. What do you think? Unlikely people, just like you and me, God is looking for those people knowing how He's made you, how He's gifted you, and He's ready to do amazing things through you and me. And we need to understand life from God's point of view, especially what He thinks of us, what He thinks we can do, and what he, He's already built into us to do. In Psalm 103, David says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him, for He knows how we are formed. Now, this is not on your screen. This one is, this is a cool verse. God knows how we're formed. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And yet, he, Scripture reminds us, God still has compassion on us. Is that not good? In all the things you mess up, time and time and time again, God has compassion for you in that area where you feel like it's a huge failure. But God says, I'm ready to help you in that area. See life from God's point of view. See yourself like I made you. Now, here's in, in, we're in Psalm 139. We're going to deal with the first 12 verses, and we're going to deal with the last verse. You know what the verses in between in Psalm 139 are? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our pro-life scripture, Right? Life begins at conception. Amen? Let's say it again. Life begins at conception. God knows you from the minute you were conceived, and He was forming you in your mother's womb to be just who He wanted you to be. And I find that exciting, that I can trust God for that. So God knows how to care for us and to protect us. Protect us. Here's the second thing under this first point. God knows everything that happens. Nothing is hidden from God. All is known by Him, both the good and the bad. In Daniel, Daniel says, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with Him. To the churches in Revelation, in Philadelphia and Laodicea, and you just mentioned this a couple weeks ago in one of your messages, Donnie. He says to both those churches, I know your deeds. The next verse is to the church of Laodicea, same thing. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. God knows you and me. That's the point. God knows you and me. He knows not only what we say and do, He knows what's gone through your mind. What has gone through your mind. David says, even when I'm forming words on my tongue, you already know what I'm going to say. Whoa. Is that an intimate relationship? You bet it is. And God knows the intents of the heart, and I love it when he says, every time I know Satan's dealing with you and going to try to get your heart going with the wrong intent, God says, I'm going to provide a way of escape for you to walk out of that. Because I know what you're thinking. I know what you're almost ready to say. I'll give you a way of escape. God knows us intimately. And third, God knows the future. The knowledge of the future is clear to God throughout Scripture. And we're told to rely on this knowledge. The writer of wisdom in Ecclesiastes says, Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? So in other words, 
You don't know what the future is going to be. Donnie just said that. That's why we prayed over this world situation. We don't know the future, but God says submit to Him for the future. And I love James. And I love this wonderful promise in his letter when he says in James 4, 14, and 15, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist, a puff of steam, that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. If it is the Lord's will, we will live or do this and that. That's what we ought to say. Now, I preach hundreds of funerals, and most every one of them, this scripture comes up. Who are you really? You're not this flesh. I always do this. This ain't you. Don't get confused. This is not you. The real you is a spirit. But in light of all of history, and even the world events right now, Donnie, in light of all of history, this is just a puff of steam on God's timeline. Your time here is just a puff of steam on God's timeline. He's an eternal God, and He's made you. You are eternal. So understand life from God's point of view while you're here. I love the life of Abraham. He's lifted up in Hebrews 11 with these great characters of faith. And it says about Abraham, by, in Hebrews 11, 8, by faith Abraham, when he when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, look at the next phrase, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now, I've been thinking about the price of gas lately, Donnie. Now, <laughs> yeah, that'll get us going. I'm not sure I'm going to go somewhere where I don't know where I'm going. I'm probably going to stop and think, where am I going and how much is it going to cost? And I think it's going to get worse. I really do. I think it's going to get worse. But Abraham stepped out by faith because he knew that God knows the future. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God makes this promise to Jeremiah. It's an Old Testament promise, and I think it's kind of a promise to everybody. Right? It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, what's the next word? Prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And there's a verse for despairing people today, isn't it? There's a lot of people that are afraid right now. I believe, Donnie, that a 75-year-old guy was supposed to preach this morning when you asked me to preach back in December. I think he planned it. And he kind of put this message pretty quickly upon my heart. And so a guy with some mileage... Donnie likes to talk about the old folks in church, shall we? And that's why we have to stop and blow our nose more. <laughs> it's a medication issue, you know. But maybe a guy with mileage is the even better one to say, God's promises work, and I've seen a lot of junk. I saw Vietnam when the draft was on. If your number came up, you were going to go. I was born, I'm the oldest of the baby boomers. I was born in April of 46. Years old. That's nine months after the end of World War I, World War II. Okay? So I am the first baby boomer. 
And I heard all the stories about World War II. And all the movies back then, it was about stuff. And, and you know what? Growing up, I've seen war and rumors of war. I've seen disease. I had polio when I was eight. Boy, parents in America were scared to death of that one. I know what a virus is. Trust me. <laughs> so maybe a guy with mileage needs to say to you, before I check out of here, listen to me. God's got it. And he's got you. And he knows the plans he has for you. But when I hear Jeremiah talking about God has plans for hope in the future, there's one more that gets more specific now. And we go to the New Testament, and it's in Romans 8. And these are the two verses before verse 28. Because how many times when something bad happens do we say, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord who are called according to His purpose. Amen? Amen. But before that verse, listen to the promise of why you can say that. <clears throat> Let me catch my breath. In the same way, the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with His will. So Jeremiah's promise is kind of like to everybody. I've got good plans for you. I've got plans for hope in the future for you. I think God wants to give that to everybody. I know He does. It's available to everybody. But when you know that, and you've got that faith in God, look at what Romans 8 says. It says, God goes even better. He sees around the corner. And He's already praying for things you can't see yet. I'm impressed by that. Are you? God knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. You don't. And He's already praying for you for it. That's our God. He knows everything about our future, and He's praying that we can handle it, and that He'll give us the power ahead of time, around the corner, to be able to handle it when it happens. That's God's omniscience. He knows everything about this world and about us. The second characteristic David talks about is God's omnipresence. God is everywhere, all at once, at the same time. We learned these principles as kids, didn't we? Two little boys, age 8 and 10, were excessively mischievousness. They were always getting into trouble. Their parents knew all about it. If any mischief occurred in their town, the two boys were probably involved. The boys wanted to heard that a preacher in town had been successful in helping children learn good behavior. So she asked the preacher if he would speak to her boys. The preacher agreed, and he asked to see them, though, individually. And so the mother sent the eight-year-old first in the morning with the older boy to see the preacher in the afternoon. The preacher, a huge man with a booming voice, sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly, Do you know where God is, son? Now, he asked him that, wanting him to know that God sees everything that everybody does, that God is everywhere. The boy's mouth dropped open, 
But he made no response, sitting there wide-eyed. So the preacher repeated the question in an even sterner tone. Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. Now this preacher raised his voice into his pulpit voice, shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, Where is God? The boy screamed, bolted from the room, ran directly home and dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When his older brother found him in the closet, he asked, What happened? And the younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, We are in big trouble this time. God is missing, and they think we did it. God is not missing. Amen? He's right there ahead of us. Hear how David said it in these following verses up through verse 12 of Psalm 139. You hem me in. I mean, God's in front and back on both sides. Before and behind. You have laid your hand upon me, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is everywhere and in every situation. Hebrews 11 talks about this faith that we, we talked about Abraham a minute ago. Hebrews 11 describes these characters, a faith that are listed in, in, in that chapter. But in verse 1 it says, it defines faith, and it says this, Faith is the evidence, can you finish it? Of things not seen. Whoa! i got to see it. No, you don't. Who told you that? God says the reality of faith is you believe things that you can't see with physical eyes. I think that's saving faith. I really do. I think that's the kind of faith and kind of trust in God you've got to have to trust in Jesus to be your Savior and to go to heaven someday. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Visibility and presence are not the same. Don't let anybody ever put your faith down because you believe in something you cannot see. Amen? And tell people, it's okay. Tell people, you believe things that are yet to come and you haven't seen it with these eyes, but you've seen it with spirit eyes. What's our goal? To understand life from God's point of view. Wanting only kingdom eyes. That's how I want to be woke. When I look at this, an example of this, here's my other unlikely people that God used. And this guy doesn't have a name. He's just called a servant. He was a servant, servant of the prophet Elisha. Now, Elisha took over from Elijah. And boy, Elijah's got the big name prophet. Uh, on Mount of Baal, or Prophets of Baal on Mount, whatever it was. And then he brings Elisha to Elijah and says, 
this is this is a guy I want you to train. And then Elisha leaves, and he's one of the few in Scripture that didn't die. <laughs> he took a chariot of fire to heaven. I want to video that when I get to heaven. That one I want to see. So Elisha now is in a situation, let's again, let's see it, like, much like Ukraine is today. Israel is surrounded by the enemies. And Elisha is the prophet trying to tell the people, don't be afraid. And his servant couldn't see it and was scared to death. In 2 Kings 6, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Listen, now listen. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, his servant's eyes, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. (laughs) That's how I want to be woke. I want the evidence of things not seen. And when I need to, God... I give you permission to open the heavens and show me what you're up to. God is our protection and care. He assures us that we will be protected. When Jesus sent the church into the world with the Great Commission, at the end of it, he said, he said, go all world, preach, make disciples. Then he said, and I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. When Moses is ready to check out of this world, he's passing the baton to Joshua. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, the Lord himself goes before you and be, will be with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Would you say, say let me say it and then you say it with, with me. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Say that with me. He will never leave you. Now, change it so this God saying it to you. When God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, let God say it to you. There it is. In the book of Acts 18, one night the Lord spoke Paul in a vision. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. That's a promise God has for us today. If I see something that I think is happening, I see the American people. I see the Ukrainian people. I see the people of God beginning to rise up and say we've had it. With Satan trying to sit on the throne of this world. Remember, God has many people in this city. And if God is for us, Scripture says, who can be against us? And because God is everywhere, and here's the end, we cannot flee from Him. Romans 8 says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So David tells us, reminds us, God is everywhere and He knows everything. Don't be afraid. And so then he talks about, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Donnie might deal with that maybe in this series of sermons. That's up to him. But the last verse, last two verses of Psalm 139 say this. 
This is David concluding it. Because of all this stuff, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me to the light everlasting, the way everlasting. I find it odd that David turned everything over to God and then he said this. Search me a little more. Search me a little more. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes a minute, please? I'm going to ask you to commit to two things, just between you and God. And one is to say to God simply, God, I trust you. Tell him that. And maybe for just a few seconds, tell him what is it about him that makes you want to trust him? What, what, what's so powerful about God? Tell him. Praise him for that power. The second thing is, would you be like David and build on that faith that you just expressed with God to say, God, search me a little more. Bring the searchlight in and show me things I still need to see. And if you purpose that with your Heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you purpose that for, for God to turn on the searchlight in your life, just put your hand up and down real quick, would you? Just up and down. Just, just say, God, I kind of publicly want to say, yeah, search me. Father, I thank you for this congregation of believers. But more importantly, I thank you for who you are. You are everywhere at the same time. And you know everything. And I would agree with Donnie's prayer at the beginning of this worship time that you've got it. We know you can handle it. But we pray for the people involved, especially that their faith and our faith would grow as we walk through things we don't know about yet. And this is my prayer on behalf of these folks. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Jim's given us a challenge. God's given us a challenge. That we are going to live our lives knowing that God is everywhere. That He knows everything. And it's a daily choice we have to make, that we're going to live in that faith. We're going to live in that truth, even though we cannot always see it. We choose to know that that is real. And so as we close this part of the service, we want to offer a time that if you need help with that, if you want to make a decision to come to Christ, if you want to um, proclaim that I need help living in that truth, in that truth that God is omniscient and He is omnipotent, He's the omnipresent. That He is everything that you will ever need. And if you need help coming to Him and, and praying to Him, we want you to know we're, we're here for that. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need to make a decision, won't you come today as we sing?